everybody and welcome to the Maya Minds podcast. I'm your host George and here at Maya Minds we want to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the exercising and sporting community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Just before we get started, I want to remind you that here on the My Minds podcast, we do often talk about eating disorders, body dysmorphia, exercise addiction, suicide, and other potentially triggering topics. Usually in the description below, I will write down what we talk about specifically in this episode. That being said, I do hope you enjoy this, but please do be careful. Hi, Jess. How are you? Hello. I am well, thank you. I feel rested. How oh, good, good. Rested is good. I, to be honest, when we spoke before I pressed the record button, I said I was good. But actually, if I'm being completely honest, um, I've been, this is, I, I'm not a, an avid alcohol drinker. I don't drink very, very rarely do I drink. Um, but for Halloween, I did drink and I've, I'm having like a two day hangover and today is like my second of the day. So I, like, um, I feel well, I feel like coherent but I'm like, there's like 5% of me that's like, remember that you did a bad thing two days ago and my body's like reminding me. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. It can take its toll, can't it? That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when, because I, like I said, I don't drink very often. So my body's not ready for it <laughs> and it's not suited to it. And I don't, I don't know how much I can or how much I can't. Like, I'm just, I'm not used to like what, what is a, a regular amount. And I think I just went way too far I was it was with my friend Hannah who does the full of beans podcast that you might have I don't know if you've heard of it but a um, very cool podcast everyone here go check it out but I'm glad that you're feeling rested have you had a had a day off or have you yeah how come your feelings are rested uh no I I have been working today I just had a restful weekend it, it's funny hearing what you're saying about alcohol I've made the decision that November will be completely alcohol free for me um because although, like you, I don't drink that much, I'm noticing that actually I've spent the last month or so feeling quite low and just finding everything a lot harder to stay upbeat about. And alcohol certainly doesn't help with that. So, yeah, I had a few glasses of wine at the weekend and I do feel rested, but it's definitely time to change that. <laughs> I, think, I think that sounds like, a, sounds like a positive change. And I'm sorry that you've been feeling a bit, down um and i think yeah alcohol uh can often be something that we turn to because we think it's going to be helpful but then it very rarely is mm, yeah well it seems harmless doesn't it having mm. having a glass after a hard day at work and like i just said i don't drink to excess so i never see it as an issue but mm. i think yeah the accumulation of drinking a depressant can, <laughs> can have an effect so yeah yeah I, I think um they kind of i may maybe I'm, I'm maybe i'm bringing down the mood a bit here but um i'm quite lucky that my dad was an alcoholic when i was younger and i kind of went through a lot of stuff with that so it's always like for me alcohol has always been like the last resort like it's always been i've been kind of scared off it which is why i don't drink very much and then also if i feel down i, I think um i have those negative connotations with alcohol and and so it's never my initial thought to go with it's always a thing that I would do with friends or you know it's kind of like a uh, yeah it's a happy thing mm -hmm. no I think that's a, an important distinction to make for anyone mm. um irrespective of of your circumstances or what you've experienced I mean what you've experienced is obviously very hard and it's given you that attitude but I think it's a good attitude for anyone to have <laughs> to, mm. to not drink because you're already not in a good place mm. Mm. So um, we've kind of gone, we've kind of gone yeah, off, off the topic here a little bit, but um, I think it's nice to have a little chat at the start. But um, obviously, you are the founder of Run Talk Run, and the new, I think, yeah, I don't know if it's just been founded or I knew I saw your LinkedIn post about it being um, you got it trademarked uh, of Walk Talk Walk as well, which is fantastic. Um, and I suppose I, I will, we, I do want to talk about those as we go on, but. I thought I would start off um, talking a little bit about uh, how exercise has affected your mental health. So, you know, I think obviously you have these two companies now that are, are pairing exercise and mental health together. So I imagine there's a story there for you. And I want to know a bit more about that, if that's OK. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think to 
provide some context around how exercise started to play a role I, I need to go back <laughs> to sort of early teenage years because I wasn't someone who was excited by sports and physical activity from a young age mm. in fact I did absolutely everything I could to avoid PE um, and extracurricular activity basically because I I experienced a lot of social anxiety. I hated being in the limelight. And so to me, sports was just horrendous. It was really challenging for someone who's shy. So it wasn't a big part of my life as a teenager. Um, in fact, I spent a lot of my teenage years in a whole world of self-pity, basically. I was, um, like I say, I was anxious, I was depressed, and I had an eating disorder as well. So quite a vicious cycle of trying to control my weight with um, restricting, restricting and then binging. And yeah, just had a real terrible relationship with my body. Um, and that sort of cycle lasted until I was 19 when I moved to Oxford to study. And basically when I got there, I sort of made this conscious decision that I was going to throw myself into student life and try and enjoy it. I, I realized that it was only gonna happen once, <laughs> this whole being a student thing. And I was very quickly known, actually talking about alcohol, I was known as the lightweight um, amongst my friends because I wasn't keeping food in my stomach. You know, yeah. When you're bulimic, like I was bringing up all my food and I knew that I had to change if I was going to enjoy being there. Um, so from a very bulimic negative mindset, I decided that I was going to start running instead of being sick, essentially. Um, it's not very pleasant to talk about, but that was my reality. I no, yeah. Run instead. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the, the um, honesty with that. And that's something I have personal experience with. I, I would um, make myself sick. Um, and I, I, yeah, mine was, I would kind of interchange the two, I suppose, like sometimes I would exercise and sometimes I'd make myself sick. And, um, yeah, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's good to be honest. And I, I really appreciate oh. you are, are doing. It's, um, yeah, it's a funny one because I am hesitant to share this part of my journey sometimes because actually to run your way out of an eating disorder isn't something that I'd be keen to promote it wasn't the healthiest option for me necessarily, but gratefully and thank goodness for me, actually it was the thing that gave me back enough self-respect and enough of an appetite because I'd ruined my sort of hunger signal system um, and did help me recover from bulimia. Um, it gave me back a sense of self-esteem that I just lost for the previous 10 years. Um, and that was probably the first time that I realized that it was good for my mental health and that I could choose more positive things mm. to cope with my emotions. So what, what do you think? What, so, yeah, what, what do you think was the, cause like, I, like you say, I think, you know, it, it can be a difficult one coming out of an eating disorder. I think often in the eating disorder world exercise is like this really feared thing. And, you know, I, I personally believe that we do need to um, encourage some forms of exercise or at least a, a, the obtainment of a healthy relationship with exercise in people who have eating disorders who are trying to recover. And um, what do you think the difference was between like you um, your journey with exercise through recovery and someone who like would have that negative kind of way of getting out of it. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Mm, yeah, of course. I think for a lot of people, um, over-exercising replaces the control around food. The control around food is now being replaced with control with exercise and it's not necessarily much healthier for them. I don't think I necessarily went about it in a particular way that made it work for me. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's not like I had this magic formula where I started running and that was my, um, I did it better than someone else recovering from an eating disorder. I just think, yeah, for me, it was what I needed at that time. I needed to give myself something to be proud of. Yeah, I suppose that's what it is, isn't it? It's the, 
it's how you saw the exercise potentially. So rather than seeing it as uh, maybe, maybe at first you did see it as a means to, to burn calories and as a means to, to purge. Um, but maybe as time went on, you started to see it more as a, as a, like you say, something that gives you self-worth and, and maybe brings some social sides. And I'm sure we'll touch on that more as we go into talking about Run Talk Run. Oh, 100%. It helped me um, in so many different ways. It would be, I could spend the next hour talking about the ways that it helped me. It helped me with um, that social anxiety that I mentioned. So I was definitely the sort of person who would just fear opening my mouth because I always felt like whatever was going to come out would be so boring. Like I had nothing to say about myself. And then when I started running, I don't know, it just got me out in the world and it gave me something to talk about when I met new people. I could talk about um, the new places I'd seen in Oxford that weekend and how far I'd gone and I guess connected with other runners as well. So it helped me overcome a lot of anxiety in that sense. Um, but certainly, yeah, it was more than just a means of running off calories, that's for sure. Mm, yeah, and that's, um, yeah, such an important kind of line to draw, isn't it? Is that, yeah, that I think that's that's something that we should promote always in exercise. And I don't think is promoted enough in exercise is um, the the goals or the the things that you're hoping to get out of exercise don't have to be purely physically based. And I, I would, I would argue shouldn't be purely physically based. It shouldn't be around like how it affects your body necessarily. Uh, maybe, in, maybe like it can be part of it, but there should also be large parts of it's going to be fun. It's going to you know, bring me some social engagement. It's going to help me with my self-confidence. It's going to give me stuff to talk about. It's going to add to the, the plethora of things that I like about myself. Um, mm. you know, it's not just going to be the sole thing. And, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, but anyway, we, I bought it in. So you, you were at university and you were, um, kind of experiencing these bulimia behaviors. Um, so carry on with that, please, if you can. Uh, yeah, so I'd say that running um, at that point was what pulled me away from the bulimic behaviour, um, but only temporarily. And I, I, I have to mention this because I am the sort of person who every time something um, big or heavy or stressful has come up in life, I found myself spiralling quite quickly again. So it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a positive life event, like moving to a new, better home that can sometimes send me spiraling and that continued to happen throughout my, throughout my whole like 20s really. Um, and it was in 2017 that I last had like a very long period of depression again. I had been through a breakup that I was processing, um, preparing to move into a new flat and everything just felt too much. Um, and I was doing all the tick box things that you're meant to do when you're depressed you know I was going to therapy I was taking my antidepressants um and nothing was nothing was helping um and I that became incredibly frustrating but the only thing that did seem to make just a tiny bit of difference was when I went home so I was living in London going home to Sussex at the weekend and my mum was dragging me out to run whenever I did go home and when we did run over time, I started realizing that I was just spilling all of the darkness out of my head, like just into that space when we were running, more so than when I was sat with my therapist. It was a lot easier to talk about the heavy stuff when I was outside moving than when I was sat in a closed room having to look someone in the eye. And I think that was a real game changer for me in realizing that running could be a shared sport and it could be so much more than just running on my own and processing on my own. Actually, we could process together. We could share what's going on together. Um, and it was my mum actually who gave me a massive nudge towards the end of 2017. And she just kind of pleaded with me to go and find some running friends in London she kind of said look you can't keep coming home she meant it in the nicest possible way bless her um but she pushed me to go and find some running friends in London and to me it all just looked way too scary when I started looking 
at what was available to me. Um, all the running communities looked way too fast, way too happy, and <laughs> in all honesty, and just way too, I guess, clicky. Um, and I wasn't feeling fast. I wasn't feeling energetic. For a girl who was experiencing depression, it all looked way too much. Um, and so I searched for a space um, that was gentler and more about talking. And where I couldn't find it, I decided to create it. Amazing. So I suppose that leads on to the the next question, which is why you started Run Talk Run. And tell tell actually, I guess, tell us what Run Talk Run is. Um, and yeah, and I suppose I suppose you've already kind of alluded to why it is that you actually started it. Yeah, so in practice, Run Talk Run is a five kilometer gentle jog. And it is set up to be a peer support group first, a running group second. The peer support, the mental health support, those are our priorities at Run Talk Run. So when you turn up, yes, you're turning up to do a 5K jog, but you're also turning up because you want to either listen and be there for others, or you have something that you want to get off your chest yourself. Um, and so we'll we'll go about our run, um, like I say, jogging rather than running. And we we don't care about pace. We we stop and walk if we need to. And it's funny, really. There's no sort of structured talk necessarily, but we do remind each other that it is that space where we can be open. And just allowing people that permission does make it quite an intimate space. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the format, really. People will talk amongst themselves in an unguided sort of way. Yeah. I think it, it's interesting. Um, I think there's there's a kind of my areas of interest a lot is in kind of men's mental health. And I know that there is some um, research around the um, being in a position where talking about mental health isn't the primary thing. So, you know, you're, you're actually physically doing something else or you know, you're, you're a part of some other venture Mm -hmm. um, and also talking about mental health is kind of on the side and it seems to allow men to open up more easily mm -hmm. when it's not the primary like thing so so the idea of, of going for a run or going for a jog or whatever or going for a walk I suppose with walk to walk um yeah. you know having it the second that kind of other bit of just like and also let's just you know how's your day going how are you feeling um I feel like is that do you think or do you get feedback from people saying that they agree with you that it is easier to talk whilst they're whilst they're taking part in this these jogs? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think um, a large part of why it's easier is because they go knowing that the people attending are expecting you to open up. Um, it can be hard to open up to your friends, turn up to the pub where you're all going to catch up, and be honest about the fact that you're struggling because it's a happy setting everyone's in good spirits and I think people struggle with the thought of you know bringing the mood down or burdening friends but actually if you create a space where it's all about being open suddenly it changes the dynamic um and people feel like I say that they have that permission to do that and like I know I don't know if this is something that you've um done with run talk run but do you have any kind of like do people come forward with stories that it's helped them and you know have you had these kind of success stories come through from people and what are the kind of demographics like in run talk run, talk, run? is it mostly women mostly men is it mixed is it you know etc cetera, etc cetera? so at the moment i think we're 65 percent women which i'm pretty okay with <laughs> because i I mean, it's a higher proportion of men than I would have expected, if I'm honest. I think men do find it a lot harder to turn up to these spaces in the first place, let alone actually share when they get there. So, um, yeah, it's mostly women. The age range is huge. Um, we are for adults only, so strictly 18 plus. But you know, we have runners in their 60s joining us as well. And 
that's been beautiful in its own way. Um, for me personally, getting to know people who I just would never cross paths with otherwise, who have a whole life experience that's so different to mine, and yet we can still connect just through that understanding of it shit to feel shit basically <laughs> and it doesn't matter what we've been through um or how old we are there is that level of connection there because of that yeah and that's i suppose it's a universal thing isn't it that it's shit to feel shit and and the fact that we all we all <laughs> feel shit sometimes like i think um yeah i'm I've, i'm a relatively early um delver into the philosophical realm um but i'm a big uh i i really like the the kind of um, i'm I'm, always, I'm opening myself up for criticism here from people who are into philosophy who, who listen but um the kind of existentialist idea of yeah. like life is suffering and that that it's our job to find it, the thing that we can find meaning in is is finding ways to deal with that suffering anyway and being like you know fuck you life i'm gonna like carry on and be awesome anyway and do amazing things and i suppose run talk run is a is a good way one of those weapons in the arsenal to to do that with but it's amazing that um i'm gonna be honest i i was shocked by your percentage as well i think that's a really high percentage of men um in something that's mental health focused why why do you think men um seem to be more likely to adopt run talk run than other mental health things I think it's like you suggested, there is another activity that I don't want to say provides an excuse, but it does. It provides a good excuse to turn up. Um, I think that if you were going to a run talk run straight from work, it'd be quite easy for a guy to say, oh, I'm going to my running group tonight. And although that doesn't do much for addressing stigma and mental health, it does make it more accessible for someone to turn up um so I yeah it, I, I think, think it does i think it does help with addressing stigma though as well because those men like okay maybe they're not they might not be at the point straight away where they're telling people well maybe they they start off just saying it's a wrong group they talk they those stigmas kind of break down the more they're talking with the people and then eventually they're saying actually i'm going to this mental health slash running group and where we talk about our mental health so i think i think it probably is Doing oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. In, in a long term way, it does for sure. Um, the fact that they're turning up means that the stigma is being addressed. Um, but yeah, also, I think just the laid back nature of it. Um, there's something quite intimidating, or at least I found intimidating, about going to a support group, sitting in a circle, feeling everyone's eyes on you whilst you open up. And I imagine that, you know, if I have a problem with that, <laughs> that feeling of being judged as I share, I, I could imagine that a, a, another man would feel the same as well. It's, yeah, a lot more yeah. intimidating. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Um, and I guess there's another reason for you know, potentially why having another thing that you're doing and then the speaker's kind of on the side. I think I remember one of the research articles that I saw was um, at the barber's. It's like getting your hair cut and then people are more likely to open up about their mental health. And actually I often speak with my barber because we talk about my, my own mind's work and stuff. And he says how people often open up to him because, you know, mm. because again, you're just doing something else and they say, Oh yeah, you know, I've been feeling a bit down or, you know, it tends to come out much more easily. Um, so it's really, yeah, really interesting. Um, so you mentioned that you, you'd had kind of negative experiences with your, relationship with exercise previously um how do you think being the founder of run talk run has influenced your relationship with exercise because i like from just before i before i um, get you to answer me personally being the maya minds guy i feel i i feel like a dual um responsibility one to look muscular because we're like a within the gym mental health thing, even though I'm promoting that you don't need to be, I do feel like if I'm going to be trying to help people in the gym, I have to look like I go to the gym. Um, but then at the same time, I also feel, I get like a, I personally feel kind of pressure to um, 
to to not work out as or at least to train the amount that feels comfortable rather than pushing myself too hard in case I am getting into that kind of exercise addiction. So I have this kind of dual pressure of wanting to do workout and eat in a certain way because of my, I suppose, past of an eating disorder and my kind of body dysmorphic disorder and also the pressure of being the face of this organization that's around the gym. But then I also faced with the pressure that the I'm trying to push the message that exercise can go too far and that kind of thing. So is that weird? It's strange for me, but I'm interested if you have similar, similar things. Oh, I'm just sat here wanting to ask you more. <laughs> like, I mean, feel free. Well, which, which do you listen to? Um, I guess it's, it's hard because I, I don't, I, they're not necessarily voices. I don't know if there's something that you um, resonate with, but with like mental health, it's not like I'm have sat here actually, like, although I explained it as if there were voices then, um, yeah. it's not necessarily that I'm sat here having a conversation with these two thought patterns. They just, they're a lot more like emotions and feelings. Like I feel like when, when I exercise, I feel like I want to do more or I feel like I should be doing it more times a day, whatever. Um, but then when I do more, then some, then I feel wrong because, oh, maybe I'm doing too much and maybe it's actually a, not a, a healthy relationship that I've got with it now because I'm actually only doing it because I feel like I'm, sp- <laughs> so I'm like, I think I've, um, it's something that I've spoken about with my friends before where I work really hard on my self-awareness and I think it's, it's got to the point now where I watch myself almost too thoroughly um, mm. And I am constantly questioning why I'm doing things. Um, yeah. yeah. It's seriously something I relate to in a big, big way, actually. Um, do you know what? I've got a really good example of this, literally uh, this like last few days. Okay. So I've been, like I mentioned at the start, not like in the best place mentally for the last month or so. I've like really had to fight to stay like, at an okay level it's just felt harder I guess to manage uh, emotions the last month or so and then on Saturday I it's not like I did it in my sleep or something but on Saturday morning I opened up my phone and my fitness pal app was downloaded and I just thought oh my word why why have I downloaded this again and it was because I woke up in a good mood on Saturday and I just realized that actually that was very much driven by the stress, which triggers bulimia, which triggers the control, <laughs> let's control food thoughts. And yeah, it is a constant battle of, okay, do I, do I actually want to track my food? Is, am I actually going for a fitness goal here or am I just stressed and therefore sinking into a bad place with bulimic thoughts? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it, that that's, that's such a brilliant, um example Uh, and i think it really shows that that there's a difference between thoughts and feelings and i think bulimia is is so much a feeling thing at least from my from my personal experience like um and uh, my, my example was during lockdown um i haven't made myself sick for uh like long enough that I can't remember so it's like a couple oh, years geez. I think which is which is yeah really, this is great and I'm really happy um but the like probably a couple months ago or maybe probably like four months ago now it doesn't matter um I I was very stressed for whatever reason and I'd just eaten a meal and I I just I found myself standing up and walking towards the bathroom and I I almost like halfway across towards the toilet I I'd like stopped and thought why am I going to the bathroom and I didn't need the toilet I was I was going to make myself sick um and I can't explain it enough in in the fact that you just it just felt like it's almost like breathing it just feels like and I suppose it's similar to you with downloading the my fitness pal like you don't you you don't you wake up and you think holy shit that's I've downloaded my fitness pal why did I do that and it Mm. just feels right doesn't it it's like it's almost like for me anyway, it's almost like an outer body experience. Like it, I'm, I just do it because it's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. But it feels in that moment so much like it's the right thing to do. Um, like whenever I downloaded that app, I think it was on the Friday night. Like, 
So I can't even really recall downloading it, but something in my head must have been like, right, now we've got to track. Like it was so instinctual, like, um, and I'm so proud of you for like not actually, um, you know, following through with that instinct to get up and go to the bathroom. Um, because having that awareness to stop yourself um, is, is what helps keep us, you know, well, I suppose. Yeah. I think, I think it's a great, because it, it, I understand like as someone who was, um, who has had experience with, I'm not diagnosed with bulimia, but I've definitely obviously like I've, I've binged and purged. Um, I understand how frustrating it can be for people who want to help me and want me to not do it because they, they can, you know, so people can explain to me why it's bad for me, why it doesn't work, why bloody, bloody, blah, X, Y, and Z. And I'll fully sit there and listen and, and say, yeah, I know I shouldn't be doing this. Like, I, I don't want to do it. I, like, yeah, I don't even want to do it. I could, I could genuinely believe that, but then I'll still eat my meal. And then the feet, like it, like you said, it just feels right. And, and that, that's what you've got to change. And that's what's so difficult. And for people, you know, with, who might be listening to this who are struggling with bulimia like I, I get it like I understand how difficult it is because it it yeah it's not necessarily you don't sit there and go oh I've just eaten this so I'm going to go and make myself sick right now you just it just happens um and that's I suppose that's one of the hardest things about it yeah it, it really is um and I'm actually really appreciating having this space to talk about bulimia because I think it's probably like without wanting to could appear like I'm showboating I'm not I've done a lot of podcasts and in none of them have I actually been able to talk so freely about bulimia um so it's I'm pleased that it's being spoken about here because I think there are a lot more people who have experienced this or are experiencing this Mm. and to feel those triggers and those automatic behaviors even when you're well is is normal um and yeah like you say I to this day struggle with feeling full like I will often ask for a smaller portion and go back for more because I just don't want to feel full um so yeah it's something I relate to yeah and it, I I 100% resonate with the the struggles with feeling full um my, mine's I suppose mine's slightly different because i get like I'm, so i'm technically I, I i always said this on like so i've said this on so many podcasts but i think i'm diagnosed with binge eating disorder because i don't i the whole memory of my eating disorder life is so fuzzy um, and i went to so many different doctors and spoke about so many different things that i i don't really know what i'm diagnosed with the only the only memory i have is a doctor saying to me um oh it says here you've got an eating disorder but you don't look like you've got an eating disorder um and that's literally my only memory i have of of being diagnosed as a doctor telling me that oh it says here you've got one but you don't look like you do um but i have this um yeah i guess it's kind of it almost seems like a a flick of the switch i, I either feeling full is something that i um desire but to the point where it's like extreme fullness so that it because it's almost like that that feeling of being extremely full and feeling sick with how much i've eaten make takes away from the stresses and other things like i don't have to think about them because i just feel sick and i feel full and and i feel horrible and that that is better than having to deal with whatever the hell else i was thinking about um or i have that like i suppose what you're um, explaining is I feel full and then I feel like I need to get rid of it or I need to do something to counter it. Um, and it depends, it seems to depend like, yeah, time to time. So it's, it's a difficult one. 100%. It's so difficult. And yeah, I mean, I'm talking about one end of the spectrum with the whole feeling full thing, but the binge eating part, I think is possibly the hardest thing to get support for because it is so normalized in our culture like to comfort eat and to to eat too much I mean there's a massive difference between a binge and just eating a little bit too much of course but to anyone else you know to eat a whole Domino's pizza it's a bit like oops like you know that's normal (laughs) it happens but I think to someone who's experienced bulimia actually that's it's something more than that yeah and it's hard to get support for it because of that yeah i and i agree and i it 
I I still see my counselor now. Um, I I was doing weekly for the last four months, but I've now moved to once every couple of weeks, which is a big step for me. And it's I'm finding it hard. Um, I'm having a lot a lot more kind of anxiety and things just because I don't have that space every week. Um, but I'm trying to work on speaking um, to friends and family and things like that. But um, one thing that that I've spoken about with my with him before is that like the difference between eating a lot of food and binging is such a weird thing. And it's, it's hard, it's hard to differentiate between when, when was that? And when was, was that an out of control? Was that like my binge eating disorder or did I just want to eat a lot of food because I, like I was with my friends or like whatever. Um, and I think for me, at least the way I've defined it is um, it was a binge when I hate myself after afterwards because of it. And it was a binge when I have those intense feelings of shame and I don't want anyone to see me doing it. And I don't, that that's when it was a binge for me anyway, but obviously everyone has their own experiences with it. Um, and yeah, I still do binge. I definitely do. Um, I still, I still eat. I, I binged last night, I would say, because this morning I woke up and I, I kind of was looking at myself in the mirror and thought, and like thought horrible thoughts about myself because of the fact that I ate um, a tub of ice cream and a, and a pizza last night. And um, yeah, it is still something I struggle with. But again, it, again, it, it's just one of those things, isn't it? You, I don't know if you, you resonate with that, but that line between, have I just eaten because... I wanted to, or have I, is it, was it a, yeah, was it an issue? It's difficult. Mm, I hear so much of my thought process in what you're saying. <laughs> um, I resonate a lot and it's something that I do ask myself quite frequently. I think, yeah, similar to you, it's more likely to be a binge if I am on my own, if I'm feeling shame about it. And also if I'm hiding it as well, <laughs> like, you know, there are times where I will take the wrappers like straight out to the outside bin of whatever I've eaten. And that's when I know that I don't want my partner to see it in the kitchen bin. So I'm ashamed. So actually that, that to me is what signals like that wasn't meant to happen. Like I shouldn't have hurt myself like that. So yeah. Yeah, it's hard to define, isn't it? But it is. And I, I, I do the, I do the same thing. I hide, like I've often found myself hiding, um I still have from <laughs> this is really embarrassing but from like it's not embarrassing but from from like last Christmas it's embarrassing that I haven't cleaned it up but from last Christmas I still have um two boxes of chocolates that I nicked um from my family and like all the wrappers are inside still that I just like ate by myself and hid under my wardrobe um, I still have them there and I, I keep telling myself like just take them down like it's been a year but I have that shame around it and that guilt that uh, yeah and I know that my family aren't going to care like the most thing they'll say is like oh my like I don't know like the worst they would be like is is say oh that's where those chocolates went or something like that's that's it um but again and again it's it's hard it's hard for the people around you because like I guess what I what I want them to say is like, oh, it's okay, don't worry. But for them, it might be that they wanted to eat that food, or, or you know, it's costing them money, and there are, there are all those kind of difficulties. And so I get it from their side, but um, there is there is fear there. Uh, yeah, there's fear there for me as well in regards to like hiding food and things. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And yeah, I feel almost ashamed to say that it's something that still happens. Mm um yeah it's funny really because I, I I tend to like try not to bookmark my mental health but when it comes to bulimia because I also haven't been sick for so long mm. it's always like well it's dealt with me I'm still not being sick therefore mm. it's, it's not a problem but when when we talk about these things as being present tense um but it's never like fully like dealt with like you just have to con constantly sort of manage those thoughts and behaviors i guess yeah and i i personally um because I, I get that like not not wanting to yeah to mark them and, and i think for me 
I find like strength and power in saying this is something that I deal with and I and I'm I still manage and I still you know I work to 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 find balance and I work to be okay with myself with it and it's still still something I deal with but now I'm helping other people with it and I'm doing you know whatever or even just even just I managed to get through it today um, and even if it's just, you know, I binged last night and this morning I was shit to myself, but I've stopped myself for like after 10 seconds of doing it. Um, you know, I, I find kind of strength in reminding myself that again, that kind of extra existent, I can't say the word, the kind of philosophical approach of like life is shit. Um, but I deal with it anyway. And mm-hmm. I, I get, I, I find strength in that. I find strength that. I deal with what life throws at me um, and I can, I'm getting by. It's like owning your vulnerabilities, isn't it really? Yeah. And that's, that's because I think it, we all are, we are always vulnerable and I think life will always remind us that we are. So you, it's, I think it's a, it's not a good from my per, personal opinion. I don't think it's a good long-term goal to, to act like you're not vulnerable, which is what a lot of people do. Um, because eventually something will happen that will remind you that you are. And I think it's better instead to, to be open and be honest and talk about things and, and accept that you are vulnerable. And I know, like, as I'm saying this, I know it's really hard as someone who has had massive issues with, from my personal um, perspective with masculinity and feeling like I have to be the man in, in air quotes and, you know, having to, having to endure pain and, and battle against my own, like what I thought were weaknesses and like self doubts and things. Um, I know that the, the fear around accepting something that's, that's vulnerable. Um, but I think it's such an important thing. It truly is. It's definitely something. Yeah. That's helped me accept as well. I think it's a large word that comes to mind when we talk about I guess owning your vulnerabilities and living with them and being open about them is acceptance as well. Because all the while you're fighting against it, you can't move forward with it. Yeah, exactly. Acceptance is such a important thing. It's like you say, it's a huge word. And um I almost think it's it's said so often that we the weight behind it can be surprising. Um, like the idea of having to like actually accept that something yeah there's there's a part of you that you might not necessarily want to be there but you're going to deal with it anyway that that is a really big step and something that's really difficult um yeah so uh, we've kind of we've kind of gone down um a different road here to to what i had originally planned but i'm i i find it i think it's really insightful and 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 really um, interesting people but so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of re-ask the question from this discussion um Mm -hmm how do you think being the founder of run talk run is affecting your mental health? (laughs) Wow. Um, that's a big question. That's a really big question. This year I have really struggled to grow with run talk run run talk run is growing at a very fast rate. That's something that I guess didn't mention when I spoke about it previously. It started with the one support group Mm. that I was running. It's now 170 support groups um, with over 300 volunteers. And Run Talk Run is still a hobby for me. I still have a full-time job in mental health as well. So actually this year, I have found it very overwhelming um, Mm. to be talking about mental health nine to five and Mm. spend my evening immersed in peer support and I think it's come to a bit of a head this last month I think it has tired me out a lot um so this year in particular it has challenged my mental health because Mm. I have to keep growing as a person as run to one grows and growth is uncomfortable Mm. (laughs) and I think I'd be lying if I said it hasn't been uncomfortable for a while. Um, But by the same coin, a bit like running did when I was 19, Run Talk Run has done so much for my sense of purpose, my sense of 
why I'm on this earth, which mm. does a lot when you're in a negative place to come back to that purpose and realize that you, you're here for a reason. And it has brought connection to other people that I was really lacking. It's brought some incredible friendships, which have been honest from the get-go, which is kind of rare, I think, for us millennials to have mm. that sort of instant depth in a relationship. So um, it's done way more good than it's done harm. I think the day that you're asking me today, um, I probably sound overly negative, but um, it's impacted my mental health massively. Mm. I think, I think, like, I think it's important to to recognize the struggles as well because I think for for everyone that's always going to be the case. I think, um, I suppose it's on the lines of of what you're saying. I think when, I think we are as we as in every person. Um, I think we are much more capable of doing things or taking on responsibilities for things than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and putting those responsibilities on ourselves and those things growing like you like run talk run has and and having all these extra things to do can be really scary and and really shit and have these horrendous moments of like i don't think i can do this i don't know what i'm doing i don't know like how to do this body body blah etc etc um but i think as as you rightly said i think I, i imagine you over the time you've adapted and you've gotten better at organizing things and you're, you're nodding for the people who, who, who obviously you know, can see this um, but um yeah you you adapt and you get better at it and, and that brings with it that self-worth and that self that again that that idea of like there are shit things happening here really hard things i don't know how what i'm doing i don't know how to do it but i'm dealing with it and i think we as human beings have an immense ability to deal with it um and i think that that's and and my mind is nowhere near as successful as run to run but um i'm in a similar boat to you where i have a nine to five which is in mental health um and then i come out of it and then i do my own minds and I, I do stuff in mental healthy things um and i also can feel overwhelmed at times when i when you know when you come out and you've got loads of emails and you you you've just finished work but now you're back in work and you know, for me as well trying to balance that with my relationship with my partner and and like you're having time to spend with them and and it, it's it can be really it can be really challenging um this is this is definitely a loaded question. I apologize up front. Do you think taking on the responsibility of run talk run and walk talk walk was worth it? Yes. There, there's no doubt about that. Fantastic. Yeah. As much as it feels like it breaks me at points, like it 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 is so worth it. I would not have changed a thing. Mm. Uh, wouldn't have stopped the growth. Just, yeah, it's brought so much good to myself and without wanting to, yeah, pick myself up too much, I can see what it's brought to other people as well and the volunteers who also have found some purpose through it as well. So, yeah. And, yeah, I don't, I think um, as an as an English person, we, as English people, we feel like it's, you shouldn't big, big ourselves up too much, as you put <laughs> no. it. But I think that is, and sorry to, to call you out like this, but I think that's absolute bullshit. I think you should big yourself up. You've done something amazing. You're doing something amazing. And you should, you know, I think there's the difference between, I think when we think that we're bigging ourselves up, we're worried we're being arrogant. But there's a difference between arrogance and confidence arrogance is mm. thinking that there's no no way you could do it better there's no way you could strive for more there's no way you could you know, there's no body could teach you anything about what you're doing whereas confidence is recognizing that you're doing amazing things you've done amazing things and you're willing to learn more and do more and and be more and i think that's mm. where you are i think you're confident and i think that's 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 brilliant and i think fucking tell everyone <laughs> like that's great <laughs> no you're you're right yeah it, there is so much more that I have yet to learn, <laughs> so much, especially as Run to Run continues to grow. Um, for sure, I don't know everything. So, yeah, no, you're right. There is a hesitance to be too proud mm. <laughs> of, of what I've created. I don't know. If, do you feel the same? No, 100%. And, and um, yeah, I think it's 
it's a weird thing, isn't it? I think it's just, I think it's being human in general. We're, we're so, it's so, we're so quick and so easy. And almost, I think in a lot of cultures, congratulated to shit on ourselves, to say that something didn't go well and make a joke of it or to, to, you know, just highlight what we're doing wrong. I think, that, you know, people will say, oh no, but really there's a bit of a, like, like a, yeah, you're a piece of shit just like me and we all get things wrong and, that, and everyone, there's some kind of enjoyment in it. And maybe that's a good thing in certain ways as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's good to, to be able to recognize our own vulnerabilities and, and that's yes, important. Yeah. And ha- yeah, humility. And that's another one that um, is interesting. I think, um, yeah, being humble is, is being aware that there's more i think that's that's what that's what that difference is between confidence and arrogance someone who's confident has that humility to be aware that other people can help them or they can do better etc um and i kind of lost my train of thought there but yeah i think i think being confident and being humble is such a an important um thing and yeah that's what i was talking about was the fact that whether i feel that with with my minds um i definitely um prone to belittling what I do um but I think one thing that my I think the the best thing that I've learned through my own minds and having connections with like people who are like running organizations and doing all this stuff and and the group that we're in together with all these like huge people and talking to these people is everyone's just a person like everyone's literally like I think like everyone says everyone says that you can be whatever you want to be and everyone's the same and you've all blah, blah 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 but it's just it's mental when you speak to CEOs and you speak to people who started companies and like yourself like you know you started run talk run like that's that I was a bit intimidated when like, you know, we were going to do the podcast and stuff, but you're just a person, the same as me. Like everyone is just a person trying to figure it out. And I think we can get so lost in thinking that we're the odd one out. We're the one that can't manage it, but literally Mm -hmm. every single person out there who started things, doing things, they're all just guessing at nobody, nobody starts their own business or starts their own company or starts anything knowing exactly what's going to happen, how it's going to, even if they started 20 before there's, there's still guesswork there. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah we're all winging it for sure. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's scary. I remember that as well. Yeah, it is important and it's scary, but I think it's so, it's so important that, um, yeah, and I suppose when you do new things as well, like you, like starting Run Talk Run, and 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 again, I I, I I literally almost said not to big myself up, like like you just did, even though I just said not to. But you know, I'm I'm trying to do something with my minds that I don't think many other people are trying to do, and and try trying to take that step is is scary because no one's no one's doing it, and and there is no guideline, and there's there's no kind of you know, way you're supposed to do things, but and. It's just, I think it's such an important thing. And I, I this podcast is, is slowly morphed, not this particular episode, but I've just been the MyMinds podcast in general. It started off very much that I wanted to just talk about mental health in sport and in fitness. Um, and it's slowly turning into almost like a businessy um, <laughs> thing because I talk about people with people who run businesses. And I think I, I like that I'm doing it because I think it's really important for other people out there. Because I think if you have an idea that you want to do, and the reason you're not doing it is because you don't you don't think you know how or you don't like you just just fucking do it like literally just like start like set up a social media page for it and just start making posts if that's the smallest thing you can do then start doing that start writing shit just on your computer and just keeping it there just to get your ideas together like i, I don't know if you agree with me but i just think i think it's like so many people hold themselves back because they think that they, and I know there are other things that get in the way, but I think a lot of people, it's because they think that they don't know enough, they need to learn more, they need to body, body, blah, but I think just mm. do it. Yeah, it, it's exactly that, just start. Like whatever that that starting point, it's like you say, even if it's just a post on Instagram, mm. sharing your thoughts on a particular topic that you want to delve into, like talking to people who, who are doing what you want to do, it just whatever starting looks like, do that for me it was to put myself in a particular place ready to run and invite people um but whatever it yeah whatever it is for you I I hope that someone listening to this um sure you have inspired so many people I hope someone does listen and 
does make that start because it is so worthwhile. Mm. Even if it goes wrong, even if Fun Talk Run never went anywhere, I think I would still be proud that I tried. Um, but I think I think I think especially if it goes wrong, because I think I think even I'm sure I know obviously Run Talk Run's doing amazing now, but I, I bet there were times where like shit went wrong or like something. Oh, the first like, six months were awful. No one turned go. up. Yeah, there you go. I spent more. So I, I put myself in the same point every Thursday evening. And I'd say for the first six months, 50% of those runs, I ran alone. Like no one would come. And that when I was already quite depressed starting, it was, it was heartbreaking. Mm. <laughs> but, the, but the runs where one person came or two people came, the ones in between the solo runs, they kept me going. So yeah, even if it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere, persist. Yeah. Because <laughs> it might. I- I think yeah, and I I'm really glad you said that, and I'm um I'm not obviously not glad that it was hard for the first six months, but <laughs> I also kind of am because like I like I said I think I think especially when it goes wrong, is when it's great because you you get so much out of that like all the people that I've emailed in the past to to try and help me with my own mind stuff when I first started and I just got blanked like all the time and it felt shit and it felt like no one's ever going to get my message and no one's ever going to do it. But that's what made me rethink my message. That's what made me regenerate my opinions. That's what made me you know, get more in depth into what I wanted to do and, and sparked that fire to, to keep going and to, and to you know, do the stuff that I'm trying to do now. And, yeah, I'm I'm so grateful for all the people who rejected me and like you know didn't think it was a good idea or didn't you know whatever, um, because that's why I that's why I've I've got the opinions I've got now and why I've got the knowledge that I've got now is because I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do better than what I'm doing. Mm. No, it's so important. Yeah, it's I'm pleased that you have an appreciation for that phase of my mind um I think it's important to to be grateful for it to because it was probably yeah like you say it changed your approach um when you start asking people questions like okay like what would make this better then what am I (laughs) what am I doing wrong basically that's kind of what I was asking it's like okay the people who did come they're like what would make it easier for you to turn up to a run talk run and slowly I you know got some useful nuggets and, and realized that they needed a toilet. They needed someone to drop their bag. They needed all these other things that I hadn't even thought about. So yeah, you can learn from those early phases. Yeah. You can, and yeah, you can, you can really learn from, from the mistakes and the things that go wrong. I think, yeah, that's such a, a good thing to take away. Um, okay. We are closing in on, the hour mark so i'm gonna have to start to bring us to the final few questions so jess it is time for the devil's advocate it's the devil's advocate (laughs) so for the people who don't know or haven't listened to the pod before i haven't listened to any of the recent pods the devil's advocate is a new section that i brought in where which is because as with this podcast um i bring people on who i think are interesting and i like what they're doing and often um the podcast goes like it has today where we're just kind of agreeing with each other endlessly and like it's all it's all very lovely but i want to try to dig into something a bit more controversial and so the devil's advocate question is an excuse for me to come up with a question that goes against my guest and is kind of controversial and i embody the devil's advocate for a for a few seconds um so Today's devil's advocate question is, don't you think getting people to exercise to look after their mental health is just a way of hiding from a problem that will inevitably arise again? Um, No, because my assumption or hope for anyone who is struggling with their mental health is that exercise is not the only tool that they're using. Um, it's something we talk a lot about at Run to Run <laughs> whilst we're running, like what, what are our other self-care tools? What do we do? What do we do that works for us? And I can imagine that at other running clubs or in the gym, you might not get that same conversation, but I think that anyone who's using exercise as just one of their tools to feel good, great. Like 
it's not distracting you from doing other things that are going to help you with that self-awareness like yeah there, there are other things that you can do to complement exercise um I'm, I'm i literally if i if i was going to write out the answer you've said it word for word <laughs> exactly how i would have answered it as well so yeah amazing and i think that's that's a message that i push with my minds a lot um is and i always steal this um metaphor uh, from a podcast i did with dr amy aziski i always pronounce her last name wrong so i'm sorry amy um but she always said about um she said in the podcast i did with her that uh, so many people uh, build their self-worth on a tower or build their kind of um yeah their coping mechanisms on a tower where there's one thing holding it together which could would be exercise for example and then when they get injured or when they're tired or whatever and that exercise can't be done or you know is, isn't up to par the tower can topple so she said the what's really important is you build it on a pyramid so not just one thing you have several things and then that pyramid's strong so if one thing can't happen you still got all the other things holding it up um, and i think mm -hmm. that's a brilliant metaphor um and yeah, very well, very well answered question. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Jess, um, I ask everyone who comes on this podcast a final three questions. Um, I will go with the first one. So name a person, either real or fictional, who inspires you. Okay, so this one is going to seem super corny. All right, so just bear with me. It's my mum. Okay, my mum had me at 17. So she, to me, is like the most resilient woman that I know. She raised me pretty much alone for like my younger years. And she's an incredible runner. So she runs a lot faster than me. So she inspires me in, in the running sense as well. Um, she'll run a marathon like a whole hour quicker than me. And <laughs> that to me is just like motivation to to train as well as she does and be as gritty as she is um but yeah she she pushes herself amazing thank you okay question two name a phase of your life that you didn't like at the time but looking back you know that positives came from it oh, there's so many <laughs> i don't know where to begin with that um so in 2015, um, oh gosh, it's, it's really actually, yeah, it's, it's not a quick answer. I just went through the most horrific breakup you could ever imagine. Police were involved um, and it was long and drawn out and horrible. And that was probably the one time in my life where I did make plans for suicide and with, with that in mind, that is one thing that I am glad happened because to get myself through that, I just, I don't know, it changed me as a person. It changed me for the better. It made me a more compassionate person. It taught me what forgiveness looked like. <laughs> and yeah, I think it made, gave me a lot more empathy towards others. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I, yeah, I'm so glad that you're, you're out of that now. Uh, and that's, you know, that's always my favorite of the the final three questions, because I think the people listening who, who might be going through a really horrible breakup and might be feeling, yeah. having those kind of suicidal thoughts and stuff, it's, you know, you've come out of it and you're, you're doing all these amazing things and you're feeling so glad that you are out of it and you've got so many positives from it. I hope that people listening yeah. who might be going through a similar thing can, can hear you say, you know you're actually kind of glad you went through it because these positives came out of it and maybe that will kind of drive them forward yeah yeah help me understand myself but also understand what people will do when they're hurting mm. as well or from the other side you know mm. and actually to have compassion still um even though someone's doing something negative to mm. still feel compassion yeah I suppose that yeah, that that's a really good. Sorry, I, normally I would kind of go on to the third question, but I mean, that's a really interesting answer. And um, no, no, it's I feel like I've derailed you this whole. No, time. no, no. This is really, I like I like to be derailed. It makes it interesting. Um, the yeah, I suppose I think this is um, my personal opinion is I think we're very quick to 
Um, if someone does us wrong or does something negative towards us, we're very quick to put them into a box of they're just an evil person. And I think, and I think that that is what often generates resentment and generates anger and actually ends up, I can't remember who, who, um, who said it, but I remember someone saying that, um, I think, I think actually they say jealousy, but it's even like jealousy and resentment is like drinking a bottle of poison and hoping that the other person gets sick. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it doesn't, it just doesn't work. Um, and I think the, one of the ways to fix it is to recognize that again, everyone's a human and even people are doing negative things to you. There's probably reasons under that, that, that you, that, I, I don't think there's a person alive who does something, does, does things that they haven't at least convinced themselves that it's okay, what they're doing for whatever yes. reason it is. And I think when you recognize that it's so much easier to forgive people and to, and to be able to let yourself free of when people do negative things, because you can understand that there's probably just shit going on for them. They're probably really struggling. There's something going on and, and it's, you know, you can understand and then hopefully forgive them a lot easier. Yeah, 100%. I, I live by a similar sort of, um, sort of not motto, but sort of phrase that stuck with me is that I think everyone is just trying their best. <laughs> like, mm. I don't think anyone's out there to go cause a lot of havoc or do horrible things. Like you say, it's everyone's just trying their best to cope mm. with life <laughs> in whatever way they can. And and as if by magic, Jess, you have answered my third question. Uh, the third question is, name a phrase to live by. And you've just done it. So Yeah, I, I think that could be, yeah. We're all just trying our best. Amazing. <laughs> there you go. That's the wisdom from me. <laughs> Fantastic. Amazing. Um, Jess, thank you so, so much for coming on the pod today. I hope you enjoyed it. I really have. Yeah. Yeah. It's been deep, but it's been good. <laughs> deep. Good. Good. I'm glad. Um, thank you so much for coming on, as I said. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Uh, everyone at home, as always, thank you so, so much for making it through one of the podcasts. And I hope to see you at the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Here at Maya Minds, we're trying to raise awareness for all the things that we speak about in this podcast. So please, if you can, give it a share. Each and every one of you has the potential to help us with that. Also, if you want to check out mayaminds.com, please do. You can see all our social media things on there and we'd love to have you contributing more as a part of our community. Thank you.